Close before you do's. How many of you actually do that? How many of you actually close your bedroom door before you go to sleep? I know I do, and I'm guilty of it, and I'm sure a lot of you are as well, but we'll get to that in a minute. But before I start this episode, I have decided to try something new, and now I want everybody to have coffee with me. So you can now get your own coffee cup. That's right. I love coffee with Harford County Living. Uh, Hey, we're trying something new, so why not? I'll have a link down there to where you can go to the store, and if you use the promo code COFFEE, you get 10% off. And granted, now the store is small right now. We only have two mugs in there, but we're trying to build it up, and eventually we'll have shirts and everything else. But again, go there, enjoy a cup of coffee when you're listening to the Harford County Living Show. And actually, anytime, anywhere you're going to in Harford County or anywhere else, just sit there and have your cup of coffee with you. You're looking at it and say, oh, look at this. I love coffee with Harford County Living. And use the promo code COFFEE. On this episode of Harford County Living... Myself and Lyle sat down with Ron Sollett, who is with the Harford County Volunteer Fire and EMS Association, and we discussed fire safety. I mean, we all hate to see house fires. We hate to see you know people get injured in fires. It's just it's it's heartbreaking when you see it. And with winter time, to me, it seems like you see it more and more and more especially when people are using space heaters their fireplaces um just simple little things that we don't think about and it could help prevent them and um well you know what just just sit back and and listen and i hope that everybody gets something out of this and i can tell you when i go to bed now i will be closing my door This is the Harford County Living Show, voted as Harford County's favorite local podcast, introducing you to local businesses, organizations, artists, musicians, and more. Harford County Living, there's no place like it. Here's your host, Rich Bennett. I've been talking to Ron for a while because we're on the community advisory board together, and I've been wanting to get him on the show because, especially now after winter here, Fire safety is a big thing, and I know, oh, God, last year, Ryan, and correct me if I'm wrong, but last year, was that the highest number of fires we've had? It's Two? been close. Okay. Uh, this year, this year is, is looked like it's going to exceed that, unfortunately. What? Yeah. Um, we've had, this year so far, we've had four fire deaths in the county, which is uh, high for us. And, of course, one fire death is one too many. Wow. But that's just uh, unusual for Harford County. We've been pretty good, and it's it's been pretty bad with the fire deaths. And it's the last uh, two weeks or so, we've had about seven or eight good-sized fires, working fires. Within the last two weeks? Last two weeks. Wow, I didn't realize that. What's, now, ca- what's causing the spike? It's hard to say. Um, it happens a lot in the winter during this time of year. People are using extension cords that may be old or frayed. Uh, using antiquated equipment. Big problem is people plugging space heaters into power strips, Ooh. which is definitely no-no. That's why your heaters have shorter cords on them, so you plug them directly into the wall. Uh, I know we've had several fires uh, 
throughout the state that have been caused by sh a short in the power strip, basically plugging heaters into a power strip and leaving them on. Uh, power strip is not rated for that type of appliance. Right. Right. Uh, the last podcast I did with the health department, we were talking about lead and asthma, but we were talking about the houses built before 79. And I brought up the fact about a lot of those houses have aluminum wiring. Is that still a big problem with a lot of the house fires around here? Not that I know of. I, really? I can't really, I'm not really sure. I think most people have changed out the wiring, but I don't know for sure. As okay. far as the, the, I get the fire marshal reports, and as far as I can tell, no, nothing's attributed to the aluminum wiring. And I don't oh, know how good. much is left, to be honest with you. Right. Well, it's still quite a bit. I mean, Joppa Town especially, it's it's probably, in the in the excluding the newer developments, obviously, it's probably still the majority. I mean, most, most people have... Uh, either pigtailed copper at the receptacles and, and other breaks. Right. Um, some have, like in my parents' house, I replaced about three quarters of it and then uh, pigtailed the rest that I couldn't reach without tearing every wall out. Yeah. Um, but it's still it's still yes. very prevalent in Joptown. I'm sure it is elsewhere, yeah. Yeah, some friends of mine built down here in the beginning back in the early 60s, so I know that pretty much it was all aluminum wire and he built them in the water. And, just but one of those things. I get news. That's why the regulations change. That's why I try to keep updated mm -hmm. on, on fire prevention and the, the codes and stuff. Um, you know, I'm not an expert by no means, but I keep up with what I can and what I see when I go into homes to install smoke alarms and things like that. Right. Speaking of that, with the smoke alarms, because I've heard you talk about this a lot when you go into the homes and put them in. Is that for anybody? Yes. Anybody in Hartford County, all they have to do is... Uh, contact me and uh, or send me an email or call one of the fire stations uh the, several companies do go out we will go out together and we'll install them in a group if there's a lot if it's just like one or two or somebody calls mm -hmm. you know all they got to do is contact a firehouse and or contact me directly and i'll make arrangements to come out and install the smoke alarms for you uh, because there is a new smoke alarm law which was updated in maryland um back in january that took effect january of, of 2018 the law was put worked on this for many years. Uh, in January 2013 is when it was approved uh, in Maryland. Then January 1st of 2018, it was made law that everybody should have at least one 10-year battery-operated smoke alarm on each level of their home. 10-year? It's a 10-year battery. No, wow. And over the course of the 10 years, you could save yourself four or $500. And everybody says, well, how do you figure that? Well take the price of a pack of 9-volt mm -hmm. batteries, most houses have a minimum of three alarms in them. Three alarms, and if you change it every six months like it's recommended, you know, you total it up in batteries, knit battery packs on maybe $20 a pack, yeah. a pack of four maybe. So it's not that cheap. We're here with a 10-year battery, you're saving money that way, but you're also saving lives. Also, if your power had happened to go out, which in Joppatown it happens a lot. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, with the power's out and you're staying in the house, you have no protection. Everybody says, well, my hardwired arms have battery backup. Yeah, but again, it's a 9-volt battery. Once that battery kicks in, how long does how it last? How long does it last? And you can't yeah. tell because you don't know, first of all, I don't think everybody changes it out of where you're like, you know, every place no, you're, like you're supposed to. They wait till it starts making problems and then they change them. But you, you don't know how long that battery's gonna last. With these 10-year smoke alarms, you know they're gonna last. They're not gonna be connected to anything else in the house, but if you do have a problem, at least you'll be able to wake up. And my, my feeling is, and it's been like this all along, what price do you put on the lives of your family? 
Right. When you go to buy these, are are those the standard ones now? That all places. I mean, do they have to carry them? The ten. The ones. That's that the only ones I've seen anymore. Really? Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. As of October first of this year, uh, the stores are not allowed to be carrying a nine volt battery smoke alarm in Maryland. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so all right. I thought you meant the ten-year battery was the size of a nine-volt. No, 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 no. No, it's it's a it's a non-changeable. It's a, it's a sealed unit. Yes. You oh. buy it, and when it goes out, it goes in the trash. You get a new one. Oh, okay. Right. It's completely sealed. You say so you yeah. can't take it out. Uh, you can't take it out once you put it. It's sealed, and it's activated once we put them up and put them in the in for you. And they're good for 10 years. Now, do you know if they make those for the carbon monoxide detectors as well? Yes, they do. Do they? Uh, that law has not been uh, quite made law yet that you have a 10-year battery in your, in your CO detector. But a lot of people are buying the CO and smoke alarm detectors together. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, Kidda just recalled a whole couple million, I think. Wow. Because, um, and, and our fire marshal in Maryland, Brian Geraci, does not like them because if you think about it, smoke rises where carbon monoxide rises, but it's heavier. Yeah. Carbon monoxide, if, if it really gets that high to the ceiling, you're pretty much. Uh, it's it's too late. It's too late, too late to, for any of us. So, smoke uh, carbon monoxide detectors belong about 18 to 24 inches off the floor, roughly, so that if anything does come up, you'll, it'll pick it up before. You know, it gets high enough for you to have any problems. That's because you're not going to smell it, taste it, or feel it. Now, should they be located like by the furnace, or not by the furnace, but on, probably on your first level? You're on home. that level. Okay, I know those things are loud because uh, yes. the old one I had when I tested that thing, yeah, and that, when that, the battery went, yeah, the new one was loud. And what's what's even better is that January first of 2020, you're going to see a new generation of smoke alarms coming out. It's been in the works for a couple of years. They were trying to get it into effect or get them out by this year. But the National Fire Prevention Association, NFPA, has been working on a project and different companies. At the first of the year, your new smoke alarms will be able to detect the difference between burning whether it's smoke from food or your oven or whether it's actual fire burning. What? I don't know how much they're going to cost. But you'll see them after the first year. You'll probably see some advertising going into the end of this year. It's, it's a new detector. It's got different sensors in it. I saw them at a trade show a couple of years ago in Las Vegas, and they weren't quite perfected. Okay. They're supposed to be perfected and out by 2020. I'd have to get my sister one of them just to make her mad the way she burns food all the time. <laughs> well, it's funny. And people say, well, how can it detect difference? And there's a basic difference, and it's really simple if you think about it. When you're cooking food or toast or, or some kind of food, it basically has moisture in it. Yeah. Okay, so the moisture is going up in the smoke most of the time. Right. When you're burning wood or chem or something your, your house is burning, it's generally not contained moisture. That's generally different. Now, that's just a broad view. I mean, there's obviously other differences in the chemical makeup yeah. of something actually burning as opposed to you know, cooking smoke. But uh, these sensors are will tell the difference and protect you and then you won't have a lot so many false alarms hopefully i was gonna say because i know lots like the beginning of the season when you turn that heat on for the first time that's got a smell to it um yes. electrical fire if you ever you know smelled electrical wires burning yes that's got a distinct smell to it so yes. i can see how that would work yeah i know when my heat kicks on first time years a lot of times my alarms go off and my dog goes crazy <laughs> <laughs> he cannot stand the light even when it beeps once it, 
They just can't go off. Now, how many smoke? I mean, should a smoke detector be in each room or? Okay. Like so, the minimum feet? recommendation is that you have a smoke alarm on each level of your home, especially in your sleeping areas. It has now become recommended that you also put one smoke alarm in each bedroom. Okay. Um, they want to be able to detect the smoke early enough, and they also want you to close your door at night, which is another thing we've been talking about. Yeah. Recently, is a close the door program, and you'll see a lot of this. You'll probably see some more. Um, that's why you're going to see a, a lot of advertising and, and thing on close the door. Uh, the difference between an open, if your house is on fire, say downstairs, mm -hmm. and your bedrooms are say upstairs in general, door that's closed is going to be almost 900 degrees cooler than the door that's open. So you're talking about a thousand degrees where the smoke and heat is actually coming into the bedroom door that's open. Where your bedroom door is closed, you're talking maybe it might get up to 100 degrees, which is livable conditions, and probably your smoke won't get in there. And, and the way that, that, what I, that I teach people and teach kids especially, if there is a fire in the house, the smoke alarm goes off, and your door is closed, feel the door with the back of your hand. And the reason I use the back because the back of your hand is more sensitive. If it's warm or hot, don't open the door. Don't go for the handle because the handle is metal. If it is right. hot on the side, that's going to burn so if your door's warm don't open it kids and kids and parents like take the blanket off your bed put it underneath the door that'll stop the smoke from coming in to an extent underneath the door and block the you know, fire right. from looking for oxygen Good idea i would have never thought of it the other thing you do is if you know you're trapped in your room of course you can't get out take the sheet off the bed hang it out the window close the window on the sheet so the sheet stays in place and stay by the window this is a sign that firefighters know that if there's something hanging out the window we know we have a rescue ah. and alerts us right away the first piece of equipment on the scene whether it be a chief or assistant chief or whatever or the engine will look around the house they do like 360 if they then see where we got fire or smoke coming out because we, we read it just like a book right okay but if we see some something hang out the window we know we have a rescue first thing we'll do is there. get a ladder to that window right. and it's to help those people first so we don't have to drag them out through the fire and that they're safe. Yeah, well, I, I would have never thought about that. We got to get you back on at least once a year just to go over <laughs> this. Because seriously, you think about it, how many times, and you can keep saying it over and over and over and over again, people hear it once, but they forget. Yes. Unless they're reminded all the time. Yeah, it's not something you normally think about, and a lot of people don't like to think about it. No. Um, but you're right. You do. You do need to and, and change the seasons, especially in, in my guess in the winter time, when your house is closed up even tighter than it normally is. Correct. You have to be more diligent about the way you do things. Right. And they also they yeah. also should have two ways out of every room of the house if possible. Um, and a lot of talk to kids. A lot I talk to children, and a lot of them think they can jump out the window. It's the second or third floor. You don't want a kid jumping out of a second or third no. floor, <clears throat> even an adult. Okay, this is why we tell you if the door is closed, close the door, you know, your ceiling at the bottom, hang the sheet up the window and stay by that window. If for some reason your room is full of smoke and then you close the door and you can't find the window, a good rule of thumb, and this is in general, if you feel north when you're down low where the air is better, mm -hmm. your vents are usually near a window. So if you feel the floor and you find a vent, an air conditioner heating vent, you probably have a window above it most of the time. 90% of the time you'll see yeah. a window there. Something to think about. If you, and now you all got to go back to your house and look. Oh, no. no but no, yes, I mean, you, you will. I'm thinking, it's like, wow, damn, yes, they you are. Yes, you look where your vents are. They're usually near a window. 
There's a reason for that. <laughs> yeah, I always, I always thought it was, the, uh, it was a, a conspiracy with the developers and builders. They put them <laughs> so you'd run your, your vents constantly because you'd get the outside the, the, weather. The hot air of the quarter. And coming, so the, yeah. the bills get jacked up. But yeah, that, that, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, so. but it's important to have, you know, a, a, a practice fire. The, the, the acronym is EDITH, exit drills in the home. Uh, we want people to practice them. Uh, and everybody has talked to people at me and said, yeah, and I understand, you know, you just don't have time. But again, if something happens and it's going to be in the middle of the night when you're sleeping, you know, what are you going to do? Mm -hmm. Are you going to panic or are you going to know what to do? We practice this. But that, I try to get this up to the kid, you know, practice in your home and take, take this to your families. Practice your smoke alarm drills. Practice fire drill. Now have dad one, one night, take one night on the weekend. Push a button, wake everybody up, see where they go. Have a safe meeting place outside the house. Idea. Because everybody may not go out the same door they came in. Yeah. You know, somebody may go out the back door because the front door is blocked, or your egg, your exit is only out the back door, the side door, or maybe even a window or a patio. Right. But make sure everybody has a safe meeting place, whether in front, of, usually in front of the house, if possible. So when the fire department arrives, you can say, yes, everybody's out of the house. You don't want people scattering throughout the neighborhood, and, and then I don't know if my son got out or if this or that or the other. Wow, yeah, that's. I think I'm going to do that. I'll probably have probably have my wife ready to wring my neck if I do it in the middle of the night. <laughs> but no, I mean that's because I, I know in my house we had two fires before when I was a kid. The second one, which was the worst one, thank God my younger brother smelled smoke and woke us all up, and my father got us out of the house. Now my brother's bed, my older brother's bedroom was downstairs. <laughs> Guess where the fire started? Downstairs. My older brother's bedroom. <laughs> and he came home. I guess he was drunk or whatever. Fell asleep with a cigarette. And my father got us all out. Went down there. There's my brother passed out in the bed, and the bed's on fire. And <laughs> I, it's amazing he didn't get burned. Burned a hole in his T-shirt, but did not burn him. Somehow. Very lucky. Very lucky. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Don't know how that happened, but very yeah. lucky. Well, you got it right. So, and um, most of your fire deaths, and you look at it, people don't die from the fire itself. They die from the smoke inhalation right. yeah. and inhaling the heat from the fire. As you don't, it goes right into your lungs. It's important to note that the two ways out, and you know, make sure everybody knows where to go. Right. Have a safe meeting place. Um, and most of your fires are going to happen at night. It's unfortunate, but that's when they happen, when you're sound asleep. And <clears throat> I've talked, I don't know if you guys have met Flash Max or not, who's a safety hero. He's a firefighter from, I hate to plug him, but I will. <laughs> He's a firefighter from La Plata, a volunteer who's gone okay. into fire safety. If you Google Flash Max on the internet, you will see him. He, he has a uh, website, uh, and matter of fact, he was just featured in the Firehouse magazine. Huh. He does fire safety for kids. He has his own outfit he comes out he's been at several of the open houses here in Hartford County Level, Bel Air, Joppa um, he, he's come out and he brings a fire safety message out there and he's also gotten into uh, an agreement with the Sprinkler Coalition again the Sprinkler Coalition was developed because we want sprinklers in home they're all homes right. now in Maryland uh, in your counties, anything built after January 1st of uh, 2017 has to have smoke alarms and uh, sprinklers in it, excuse me. Okay. Single family or whatever. Okay, the, the multifamily homes has been there for a while, but now we have single family homes. We want you to have a sprinkler. 
and we want you to know that it's not that much exp more expensive to put a sprinkler system in when you're building a house. Don't let people fool you into thinking it costs hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's, it's about $1.25 to $1.35 a square foot to have sprinklers put into your home when they're building it new. It's, it's a no-brainer because you got everything open, you're putting the pipes in. Right. Uh, it, it's no more than putting carpeting in the house, basically. With those sprinkler systems, are they in the kitchen too? Because they're, I mean... They're throughout the house. Because they're, they're, say, they're, set, they're set off fire. by heat. The sprinklers, again, residential sprinklers are set off, well, all of them are, they're set off by a heat sensor. And okay. the sensors in there are different temperatures for different things. Like a commercial building would be different than a resident in a house. Okay. Right. Okay. And it, I don't have the numbers offhand. But when it reaches a certain temperature, that's when they break. Okay. Now, the good thing is, too, is that they only go off in the room where the fire is, where they heat them, where the heat uh. catches it. You see on TV where one spring goes off and the whole building goes off. That is not fact. That's okay. fiction. fiction. That's right. TV. It makes good movies. Yeah. Well, basically, it's the only reason be I one ask that is because with the kitchen, if it's a grease fire, right, isn't that water going to make it spread? Or is that with, a myth with, too? <laughs> it's going to cool everything down. It's going to soak everything down. Okay. Um, and basically, it's probably not going to make it spread as much as if you threw water on it. Well, the reason being yeah. it's coming from the top, it's coming down, it's, it's spread out in like right. a shower okay. type thing. Whereas if you're out where you're taking a bunch of water and you're throwing it on there and you're pushing the grease out, this is actually pushing it down. That makes sense, um, okay. But don't get me wrong, water will still make it spread, but it'll cut down the damage to your home. Right. Tremendously. And then when the fire department comes, we shut off the system, put a dummy in there, and then you have a, a um, Sprink a person or plumber come in, replace the head, and you're back in business. Huh? Do you know how much pressure is in those sprinkler systems? Mm. Does anybody have any idea? No, but I guess somewhere around 90, 90 to 100 psi. Okay. What's the pressure coming out of your garden hose? Seven. Uh, 70, anywhere between 65 and 70. Yeah. Okay, that's about. But that's what's in the sprinkler system. You can't have oh, okay. any pressure more than that. And anything. If you think, if you know, you know this. So you know the numbers. You think about it. People think they're high pressure and stuff. Like they're not. They're in there, but it's packed in there. It's like, yeah, you have a hose full of water, you hold both ends. Yeah. You cut the middle. What's going to happen? It's going to come out. It's going to spray out. It's under right. pressure. But it's not a whole lot of pressure. Okay. Whereas it's going to ruin everything. And huh. you, again, you can see online, there's, uh, you look at the MSFA uh, fire sprinkler demonstration online. You'll see where we do a side by side demonstration with a, a sprinkler room and a non sprinkler room. Okay, and there's a big difference in what I say when the, the, the uh, sprinkler goes off. One sprinkler and the same type of furniture and equipment in one room versus another room. Where the one room without the sprinkler is completely charred and burned. The other room's slight charring, a little bit of damage, but it's livable. And you can replace it, you can fix it quickly and return to normal living. With with the smoke detector, <coughs> all right, and I'm, I'm probably getting it. All right, is there a difference between a smoke detector and a smoke alarm? No. Okay. So, I, all right. So I'm I'm okay then. All right. With the smoke alarm, I'm gonna stop saying detector. Yeah. With the smoke alarms, should they? You said the CO2 sensor. CO2. Should be, CO2 detector should be low. Low. But smoke alarms on the ceiling. Yes. Okay. Okay. The highest part because the smoke's gonna rise, and that's why we tell people to get low, and go. You know, stay low and go is one of the things. You know, right. With the fire service, you know, for the people in the house, because the smoke's gonna rise, you're gonna have maybe. 
8 to 12 inches on the floor where you could probably still see if you wake up where the air is still breathable. Right. <clears throat> you're getting up there and you're standing up and you're breathing in a heavy smoke and you don't know what's in that smoke. Okay. Right. Chemicals, uh, you know, the heat, whatever. Oh, yeah. Especially you don't know what chemicals you got in the house. or no, Everything today is, is man-made materials. You never know. It burns yeah. so much quicker. Uh, back in the early days, I'd say about 20, 30 years ago, you had about six, seven minutes to get out of the house. Now you have maybe two or three minutes to get out of the house yeah. when a half house starts burning. And again, people have to realize when you wake up, when you hear that alarm, when you finally wake up, the fire's already pretty well started. Right. It's pretty well going. The smoke's pretty well building. I mean, it's not just little smoke where you just, just see it. And you have to understand it's going to build quickly and even more quickly once you're up and moving around because you're starting to move the air around. Uh, we want people to get out of the house and stay out and, and, and do it quickly. You don't realize, they say, well, I can get out of the house. You say that. And I'll, I'll give you an example. Back uh, when I was younger, back when I was in my 20s, had a fire in my house, very similar. Mm -hmm. I told this to uh, Flash Max. I thought it was a good friend of mine. Name him. But, um, you know, Michael was a, is a good person. He, he puts this thing out there about fire safety. I come home from working night shift. I made... I forgot, I, I bought, so I put something on the stove. Back then the stoves didn't have any lights on or anything. Mm -hmm. They just had the little switch in New York, I can relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, some, of the, some of the young people can't, but you know, like, and apparently I did not turn the switch all the way off. It was just enough on. Uh, about two o'clock in the morning, we were all woken up by smoke in the house, mainly because the dog was barking. Um, and of course, didn't have smoke alarms. And my parents' bedroom, my sister's bedroom were downstairs, and my mine and brothers were upstairs. And woke up, and the house is full of smoke. They're yelling, and I woke up, and I know my bedroom. You know the door, my door. When I get out of bed, my door's to the left. Now, off of my bedroom at that where we lived at that time, my father had a little office. I could not find my way out of my room. There was so much smoke. There was that and much I, and smoke I went in my father's office by mistake at first, before. I realized that I was going in the wrong direction because you get so turned around, you don't realize what room you're in. Wow. Um, and I still have this little stuffed animal that I've had all these years uh, that got burned to remind me of that day, you know, th that wow. I can talk about it. You know, I got out safely, but I was fortunate. And it's funny, we were looking for our dog and looking for our dog, and after the firefighters had put the fire out, it was only, of course, the stove caught fire to hold kitchen was destroyed the dog was out back the dog had managed to find his way out the back door which was very fortunate wow. yeah. Yeah. he was smart he had actually gone down the basement going up the back door and so but I mean it, it's scary and you know it, I think that's what motivates me more now and ever to get involved with this and why I took the classes and learned about fire prevention and fire safety um, it's one thing people don't realize how, how bad and how fast fire can spread. Yep. Mm -hmm. Especially nowadays. And I like to get the information out there, you know, for everybody to really be safe out there. I mean, we, we hear about it all the time. I can't tell you how many times we've had a fire this year, but I know several in Hartford County where people have discarded ashes from their fireplace or their grill and left them out back, not realizing they're not out. Or put them in a plastic container and put them out on your wooden deck. Yeah, that's I, I know you look like that. You shake your head. Yeah. <coughs> no, no, I shake my head because I made the mistake of doing that one time. Uh, we've had, we had, I did put it on the deck. I just put it in a plastic container. We had one in Jasper right across the firehouse a couple years ago. Very 
same thing. The guy had taken out of his fireplace, didn't realize they were not completely out, had them in a, I think it was a plastic trash can, and just put them out on his deck. Well, you know what happened afterwards. Oh, in the middle of the night, and the, deck, and the house is on fire. I mean, really going good before they woke up. They have smoke alarms went off, thank goodness, but, you know, the house is pretty much destroyed by then. Yeah. So uh, this can happen. No, we had a we had a similar experience in, when I was stationed in Germany. We um, nowhere near as, as uh, uh, catastrophic in the end, but we came back from partying one night, and uh, um, we put uh, burritos in the oven, Ooh. and, and <laughs> fell asleep, passed out, whatever you want to call it. And, Three hours later, the, the the whole entire apartment's just full of dense smoke. Ugh. Fortunately, no fire. It just it turned them into little briquettes. Right. That smelled but, uh, good. Yeah, it did. <laughs> um, and everything in the apartment too, clothes and furniture, and it took a long time to get those out. But no, I, I was going to say it, 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 it. With a lot of people, it takes a personal experience to drive them. Like I guess in your case, you know, it's probably. Uh, uh, sparked an interest, for lack of a better word, but it sparked an interest in you as a young yes. person to pursue fire safety and, and teaching and, and whatnot. Yeah. I'm big on it. I mean, especially after listening to you at some of the meetings, <clears throat> and I just the little things. If if I see my daughter, my wife doing it, it's like, come on, guys, don't you know? Don't one of my peppies, We have a gas stove. I can't stand it if I see for some reason they have something plastic or paper, even if they just put it on top of the stove. Yeah, you don't because you got the pilot lights when you don't realize. Yeah, right. They create heat. Another thing, and another pet peeve. You see this a lot with, and I don't want to say just kids. You see a lot of adults doing it, charging their phones after they're done. They unplug their phone, but they leave the charger plugged in, and yeah. Oh, it ain't going to cause a fire. Uh, yeah. I'm guilty of that too. However, we have seen and more recently been in the news where number one, animals like a cat or a dog has got a hold of that wire right. while it's plugged in right. and bit into it, or a child. I, I know I know one incident was not in Maryland where a child had grabbed and started playing with it, and I guess they put it in the mouth like most kids do. Ooh. Was electrocuted. I know we've had instances where animals have gotten it, but you've got to be careful now. More recently in the news is charging the phone or people keeping their cell phones under their pillow at night. It's mostly yes. children. I get on they my call daughter fires. all the time. Uh, I mean, obviously, we don't have pictures here, but there are it, there are things on um, that I get in the that I've gotten in my emails now, where a child has left or put a phone under their bed at night, or even have it charging under the bed. It gets hot. It can't breathe, and people don't realize that because it's under the pillow. You keep it under the pillow so you can hear it, but by the same uh -huh. token, you're causing problem and it's burned up uh, causes quite a few burns in some people sure and then those things overheat same with laptops you know I, yes. I tell people uh, and, and one of the warning uh, warnings you get when you buy one is do not sit on your bed with your laptop on your quilt or, or you know mm -hmm. completely blocked by blankets or anything else if it can't breathe it's going to overheat and and it doesn't have to be combustible just the heat itself can well yeah if you look at it if you look at the, like the laptop there if you look, where's your fan on your laptop on the bottom on the bottom yeah right pick it up how many how many times do you vacuum the, that fan out mm -hmm. yeah. uh, i look I, and again i've noticed it on mine i've noticed it because i when i go to different places i see other laptops that you wouldn't need to clean that laptop. what are you talking about 
look at turn it over, look at the fan. Salt corroder, it does, which accumulates. Mm -hmm. Vacuum it out, clean it yeah. so that your laptop doesn't overheat. It'll probably work a little better, uh, and it won't heat up as much. Right? Oh yeah, it, it's. <laughs> and I always told told my daughter about this when she used to have a laptop. I said it does get hot. No, it doesn't. I said okay, I want you to use your laptop and sit it on your lap. Huh. Tell me if it doesn't get hot. There, it may be called a laptop, but it doesn't mean that <laughs> they're, they're good for that. So, yeah. well, on the on the similar subject, the and you mentioned briefly before extension cords. Yes. Um, with respect to to heaters and of course technology today, you know, you, you go in an average bedroom, we've got half a dozen devices plugged in, and a lot of times it's on a uh, either, and they're not even surge protectors; they're just power strips. Right. Um, recommendations there is, is okay. to what? Uh, just because the power strip has five plugs in, doesn't mean plug five things into yeah. it. Right. Uh, that's the bottom line. The thing is, uh, and again, most people don't look at it, but look at the rating. Most of them are rated, I think, around 1,500, 1,600 watts. Look at what you're plugging into there. Now, computer stuff, it's probably not as bad because you're not drawing all the watts at the same time, usually. I mean, depending on what you've got. Now, if you've got a floor unit and you've got a, a desktop, it's different than a laptop. But as soon as you plug something else in that, you're all drawing more wattage. Like, you don't want to plug an iron into a strip. Right. That'll definitely be a problem. Uh, you got to watch it. Yeah. And when you're plugging lights together and using, uh, like, to plug them on, don't use power strips outside. They're not made for outside. There's outdoor wiring that's specially made for outdoors for multi-plugs. Mm -hmm. Look at your sets. If it says string no more than 10 cents, don't put that 11th set on that same line. Because you have to remember, even though you're on... Okay, you've got multiple plugs coming out, of, but it's all going back into one plug, into one spot in your house. Right. It's going into one plug, one breaker. Right. So you're already loading it up, and then you're going to put another plug in the bottom half of that plug, and you're going to load that one up. So, again, be aware of what you're plugging in and really know the wattage. I mean, now that with the LED lights, it's used, it's a lot better than yeah. it has been, but a lot of people still have the older lights. And, you know, they say do not plug more than three or four strips together. Don't plug more than three or four strips in there because you're going to wind up with a problem, whether it be a short in your wiring and you're going to cause them to burn outside or it's going to cause a short inside the wall of your home, which those are the worst ones because they, they burn a long time before you realize something's burning. you got a fire right. in the wall. Right. Yep. Yeah, and that's a real danger if you go back to, and it's not just aluminum wire but copper as well. The, the issue with the aluminum wire in these old houses here is that the expansion and contraction rate is much different than copper. And yes. so they get they get uh, uh, far looser, far quicker. Yes, and then do. you go plug in all the modern, uh, modern day appliances and gadgets and everything into them. And like you said, you, you overload it and it'll start sparking and, and melting and cooking in there long before you notice it. Exactly. I've seen that many times. Yeah. yeah, and check your, your lights, uh, the ones you've had for years when you pull them out. Check them for any kind of phrase, or like saying wear and tear. Um, usually they're a dark green or a, with the color cord or a black mm -hmm. cord. Let's see if there's any lightening of the cord. If the cord is turning like a whitish color, time to get rid of it. That means they're, they're drying out. Good chance of a fire. Okay, so you want to check all the light strings, you know, and, and, and replace them. Throw them out and just replace them. I know some stores will actually give you credit for them. Uh, oh, for the, turning the old ones for, in? For yeah. the old really? ones, turn them in. Yeah, they give you credit for making well, the new ones, like whatever it is. So. Well, yeah, and speaking of cords, too, I think another thing that people <coughs> don't realize, and you see this with a lot of appliances, whether it be irons, curl iron, whatever, 
just don't wrap those cords up all willy-nilly or whatever. <laughs> no. I, I always say fold them gently because I can't tell you how many times, even with vacuum cleaners, I ain't going to mention any names, my daughter, wife, but um, <laughs> all of a sudden it stops working. And they're, I'm, they're like, well, how'd you break it? I didn't break it. Look at the cable. And, and sure enough, yeah, you, know, you got the broken wire. You got the broken wire from bending it so much. You know, yeah. and a lot of people don't realize that. You know, that's why now you see a lot of these appliances you get, they'll have the Velcro strap around it. It's meant to be stored a proper way. Exactly. <laughs> so you're, you're exactly right. And that, that's something too you need to do. I know I see a lot of people where they'll just take them and just throw them in a box. And yeah. Like, and you never know. I mean, mine have to be dry when I take them off the bush. If they don't, and when I take all down my direct decorations, if I have to, I'll leave them down the base and let them dry out first before yeah. I pack them away. And I, and I do check my wires more often than most people. This is me, again, because of yeah. what I've seen and what I know, okay? And again, it's it, it's what you know and what you see that sticks in your mind through the rest of your life, no matter how old you get or how young you are. Once mm -hmm. you see it, you don't forget it. Right. So I constantly looking at mine. My Halloween decorations are getting old. I had to throw away a couple of sets of lights this year um, because the, the some of the, the wires are starting to pull out. Right. I'm not going to try to fix it. Toss them in the garbage. You know, it, it's, it's not worth. It's not it. worth. It. It's not worth. You know, a life. And you know, and again, I'm going to say it again. What price do you put on your family's life? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, people don't realize that uh, and it's, this thing of a smoke alarm or a CO detector can do great good in saving lives, and it's proven they do. I mean, like when they get the fire marshal reports, when you just get them off the with the internet and stuff, it shows you the smoke alarms went off. People heard the smoke alarm, another save. You know, smoke alarms went off, alerted the people to a fire, they were able to get out of the house. You see this time and time, and then you see the ones where no smoke alarms were evident in the house on the fire marsh report. One, two, three people died, or six Jeez. pets died, or three pets died, or whatever. Now, whatever it happens to be, it, it's sad to see it. It doesn't have to happen. Well, now, don't they have the, the smart <laughs> smoke alarms? Yes. To where once, if it goes off, it notifies the fire department right away? You know, those are usually wired uh, in, but again you're seeing less and less and they're mostly in businesses you're yeah. having some of the homes that have the alert that are wired to a company i don't i don't know how many uh residentials are actually wired directly to the fire department anymore okay no that was an old thing i don't know how much it is more i can't really say yeah but i do know that a lot of them have alarm company and the alarm company will notify we have alarm, and we get quite a few of them during the year especially this time of year like you said when they're closed up cooking smoking smoke from cooking mm -hmm. or they were testing their alarm forgot to notify the alarm company you know if you're testing your alarms notify the alarm company first before you start testing it because you're going to send the whole complement of fire equipment to that location that. and it's going to be on the way <laughs> don't want that they don't want that i mean it's better be safe than sorry is why we do it you know if we go mm -hmm. out there but if you can verify with the company the alarm company that you know you were testing it or it's an accidental alarm or maybe some kid you know, played with it and I got up there and hit it by that company just let us let them know let the yeah. alarm company know because you have to give them a special code that only you and them know with, with the cool. holiday season here uh, and trees whether it be live trees or artificial trees now let's go with the artificial trees first is there I guess anything that people should look for or stay away from because I know some of the artificial trees have lights on them already and some don't. Okay, with the artificial trees, again, the, the best thing you want to do is to check the wiring on them constantly. 
Um, usually you take them apart and put them away and, and again, like we were mm -hmm. talking before, you're bending wires all the time, depending on how old it is. I mean, I can't say it's good for two years, ten years. I can't say that. Okay. You look at it. Look at the wiring. If it looks like it's starting to fray, if it's, if it's turning colors, that's usually a good sign that the, the wiring's drying out when it starts from turning like a whitish color. Right. Or even if it's a small spot, that usually means they're drying out. So it's kind of dangerous to get rid of it. Make sure they're turned off at night, even if it's an artificial tree. Make sure its lights are turned off at night. And you really don't want to put it anywhere near a heating duct. Near a, a lot of people can put it near a window so people outside can see. But then you got that heating duct right there. You know, that heating duct produces heat. And Especially it's possible it can produce enough heat to start melting the tree. Mm -hmm. It's an artificial tree. Who oh, what it's I made never out thought of. about that. I mean, I don't know if it's enough heat coming out of there, but you never know. You know, yeah, know. yeah if it, it's entirely possible, especially when they age, you know, and the, and the uh, yes. artificial, not artificial, but the uh, fibers start <laughs> to break down. They're more susceptible to, to melting and, exactly. and whatnot. So, yeah, just like your, the dashboards in your car, all that film you see on the window in the inside, that's yes. that's the, uh, and I forgot the word for it, but the, the you know, coming up off the the uh, material in, on the dashboard. The vapors. And the vapors, yeah. Um, so the same thing happens with artificial trees and anything else that begins to break down. Yeah. yeah. What about, especially uh, houses with garages attached to them? And a lot of people store gasoline in there. A lot of people store their cars in there. Any uh, tips on that? My suggestion is have a shed or something out back to store gasoline in. Yeah. You shouldn't really store gasoline in your attached garage. There's too many chances of some of an accident happening whether it be a spark from an outlet, a storm maybe shorting out something, because you've always got fumes coming right. out of the can regardless. Right. Okay, keep it away from the house, keep it outside. And I know people keep them inside there because they don't have a shed or something, but they put a gas can out back and put a cover over it. You know, put it away from the house, put those plastic covers over it, it'll protect it, it's not gonna get wood Or just off. close it up all right. Well, you close it up, but you also wanna put some stabilizer in it. Oh, yeah. So that's good the next year. If you're not gonna use it for, Three, four, five, six months, maybe. Yeah. But it's not a good thing to store those kind of chemicals in your house. I mean, you already, people already have, probably have paint, paint thinner, paint remover and stuff in their house. Um, again, this is all a fire hazard. If it should build up and a fire should start. Yeah. Uh, and these are one of the things we had a, uh, that, that we want to watch out for. We had a garage fire just the other day in Bel Air. Fortunately, it was contained in a garage. And they believe it was started by a short something in there. Now, the cars were outside, but they believe something shorted out in the garage, one of the outlets. And again, this can happen. Imagine if there had been cans of gasoline in there or kerosene. Right. Because, again, if they're under pressure, yes, the plastic can will eventually melt. But if not, it usually builds up pressure first right. if it's closed. And then it's going to explode. So it could have been a lot worse. Damage was only consumed to the the fire did not get into the house. The doors were closed. It was able to contain the garage. Although the cars were outside the garage, they didn't melt because the heat was so intense coming out of the garage. So again, you know, be, just be, just be careful. It's not advisable to store any kind of flammable liquids in the house itself in any quantity. See, I always get nervous about the cars in the garage, and, and yeah. I, I uh, of course, I don't. Well, I can't pull a car into my garage anymore. <laughs> we cut it in half. But with my father, you know, because I bought that house, and when they would put a car in there, I always got nervous, especially since my brother also started a fire in the garage the one time, too. But that, that happens, um, and, and people do get nervous with that. <laughs> you forget 
or sometimes you know you'll go even in the cars in the garage you'll, you'll start up and warm up before you open that garage door yeah. which mm -hmm. is a bad thing you know carbon monoxide is going to start building as soon as you start that car they're safe in there i mean the, the garages are usually well ventilated okay i say ventilated enough you know for the look for something in there to not cause an explosion like that but there's always that that chance, chance the chance yeah. is always mm -hmm. there yeah just go to, but the garage is a good thing. I mean, you can get your car, you know, just make sure the door is open before you start the car. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's always best to have the exhaust going out the garage as opposed to in the house. I know a lot of people like myself, I like to back in. I would never back a car in a garage if you're going to close that door because what you've done, you you started something here with, with the CO building up, and then mm -hmm. once you close the garage, you may have trapped some which will get into the house. may not be enough at that point, but it can build up. That's why a lot of your firehouses now all have these tubes we put on the engine, on the exhaust. So we're working on the engine so that the exhaust is vented outside right. Right. and not into the firehouse. And it, it, you just don't realize it. With the garages, I don't know if you can answer this or not, the door coming from the house into the garage that's attached. I know before it used to have to be a steel door. Is that still the case? Do you know? I'm asking this because you know I'm in the process of remodeling my downstairs. I need to know if I put need to put I don't steel know. door back. You'd have to look up the uh, the code yeah, in Hartford County. Used, they, they used you've to got, a, you got a code that you've got to go by in yeah. Maryland and Hartford County. Yeah. Okay. Hartford County's got some little tricky things in there that uh, have come up recently. Right. Um, that thing that you have to put in the code that are in the code. So you better check with someone before okay. you do it. Check out the professional. Uh, I'm not short. I'm not going to give you an answer, yes or no. Yeah. I'll call my brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do have to have, and I don't know if it specifically states, so don't take it as gospel, the garage door, but that typically the way they were built. Like like you know, my parents' house and your parents' house, they had asbestos-shielded doors on them yeah. between the garage and the house, the original doors. Oh, yeah. That's what that, that hard shield was. It was asbestos. Oh, okay. Now you put a metal door because that's all they make. Yeah. So that you have one door that's not going to burn and, and use it for egress versus the other wooden doors in, in your house. Now, granted, you have sliding doors in the back end usually, but a lot of those French doors and they're three quarters wood. So, you know, you're not going to go jumping through them like Superman. No, you're not. So you, so you have to have one, one, you know, quote unquote, fire type door, fire resistant type door. Now, again, it, it, I don't know if that has to be between the house and the garage or right. what location in the house it has to be. Who knows? You have to look I it up, like you said. You're going to have to check with the, the yeah. code for, the, for Harford County because yeah. uh, I don't know for sure. Okay. Yeah. You know, it used to be a joke when we were kids. You know, yeah. The house burned down, but you got one door still standing. What good is that? Yeah. <laughs> but you didn't understand, you know. But, right. Uh, dispel one myth here. I, I always get on some people. Um, <laughs> Why are you and, pointing to me? <laughs> and, and others about um, grease fires. You know, they, 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 they spray water on their barbecues when it flames up. Excuse me. Wait a minute. No. <laughs> I do not spray water on my barbecue. Okay. You don't now, but. No, I'll uh, pour beer so on my, it. <laughs> so my question to them is, do you throw water on your on your frying pan when it's when it's uh, burning on the stove? Put a lid over it. You know, why would you throw water on your barbecue when it flares up? You know, but anyway, the the, the question is, um, <laughs> the different types of fires and fire extinguishers, yes. and and huh. uh, what is uh, what is standard, what is recommended? Uh, recommended for home be like an ABC fire extinguisher, which covers uh, wood, paper, liquids. And wire and electrical fires. It's non-conductive. It will not conduct. So, if you have an electrical fire in a 
Now you're using it. It's a chemical, basically. It smothers it out. It puts the fire out. Fire, and you got to understand, and again, understanding fire, basically there's a fire triangle. It needs three things to burn. It needs something to start it, a source, mm -hmm. an ignition. It needs something to burn, and it needs something to, to keep it burning. You know, the oxygen keeps it burning. You know, so it's got a source. It's got all these three things. You've got a fire. Take one of those three things away, fire's going to go out. Basically, what we're doing as a fire department, when you're putting when we're putting water on it, we're smothering it. We're taking away the oxygen right. is what you're doing. And that's what you want to do with your grease fires in your home. Take away the oxygen by smothering it. If you can put a lid on it, fine. If you have baking soda, baking soda is very good. Have extra uh, box of baking soda and you pour that on it. That will also smother it out Okay, because it, it, it doesn't burn. Now, with that being said, a lot of people store stuff. They don't store it in cardboard because of ants and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. They store it in plastic containers. Make sure you don't take the flour and put flour on your fire because then you're going to have a bigger fire. Flour really? Does, has, flour does burn. Right? Mm -hmm. It's got different chemicals in it than baking soda. And uh, we've done demonstrations like that before. We've, we've taken a handful of flour and thrown it on a fire outside, you know. Right. So you can see the difference. Imagine what it does in your home when you're, everything's so close. And, and baking soda. Baking soda will put it out. Flour will not. Right. How are we doing? And so we urge people, especially a lot of cooking, you know, especially and, and be aware of kids around when you're cooking too. You know, you're talking about the yeah. holidays, kids around better making cookies, different types of meals. Uh, keep kids at least three feet away from any of these cooking surfaces. You know that, that that's a good safe distance. And if you have to put a piece of tape on the ground, you know, if you have little ones, you know, do not cross this line, because kids are inquisitive. Mm -hmm. That's normal. Nothing wrong with that. That's right. a, we were inquisitive. We're inquisitive. That's what helps you learn. So we don't want them to learn the hard way by getting burned, getting hurt, and something like that, and not want to be, you know, involved in the kitchen, which can happen. I still follow a rule that I was taught when I was a kid by, I think, of when the fireman came to our school, always keep the, the handles of the pots in. In. That's correct. <laughs> keep the handles of the pot in so that people don't grab mm -hmm. them or they don't hit them by accident. I mean, you're in there cooking... You're making cookies, you're cooking something on the stove, the handle's out, you know, and I've done it, you know, yeah. you knock something off, uh, you know, thank, yeah. thank goodness the pot wasn't on, but it, it can be. And when I had my safety house, we, we, we showed that in the safety house in the kitchen area where we have a pot hanging over, and I put those little peanuts in it, and we have the kid that can't see over top of the stove, so he doesn't have to grab that, and of course, most of them, they're better not to grab it, but some, one kid will pick it up, he pick it up and just hold it straight, which was good, but then he puts it in the bottom of his, he puts the pot right. on his hand. Yeah. Had that been a real pot, it'd have been burned. See, this is why we don't want kids to touch it. Ooh. They're thinking, they're thinking partially, but they're thinking, okay, you know, I'm not going to spill anything. <laughs> but then you got the one that just grabs it, and of course, everything comes out. Had that been a hot liquid, those peanuts would have burned them. This is what we tell you: don't keep the hand on it, keep it turned in, and keep kids at least three feet away so that they can't grab it. Now, especially little ones, they can't see what's up there. They may smell; it smells good. And you may be having cinnamon ones. I like to use yeah. these incense, or the you boil these. Uh, uh, sense like and, and you keep it on the stove or something once it boils and, oh, right, and it right, smells right, good right. so it'll draw kids over the cinnamon yeah. you know, the, the flavors and Christmas cookie keep children away from it that that's very important yeah. uh, the, the other thing I want to talk about is, is candles if you're using candles this time of year a lot of people are using mm -hmm. real candles if you can use the electric candle the battery operated ones they're the safest but if you must use candles keep them away from pets and children make sure they're out at night Make sure they're out completely. When you blow them out, watch it go out. If you have to, put a little water on your finger to put it out because we've seen where you let the candle go and you walk away and it, re and it rekindles. 
because the smoke's going up and there's an experiment you can do which I have that shows you how it can rekindle just like that. So yeah. be careful, make sure your fires, if you are using a real candle, make sure it's out completely and make sure it's pushed away so kids don't come near it after it's happening and the hot wax doesn't right. pour on them and, and get all over anything. And, and animals too because they're curious too and you know, they're happy, there's, there's accidents happen but we don't want that kind of accident. These kind of accidents I think are preventable. Yeah, and keep them away from the curtains. See, a lot of people do that. They'll light, light a candle, keep it by the window, and the curtain's right there. Yes, and that, that, that's very dangerous. I mean, and that goes back to the old German days when they used to put candles on Christmas trees. So, you know, you want to be careful with that. And two out of every of uh, electrical fires or decorated fires happen because they're too close to a heating source in the home. Again, I talk about the Christmas tree near the vent, mm-hmm. you know, whether it be a live one or a real one, especially a real one. And make sure that's what we, we talked about. We started to talk about that and we get back to that. Using a real tree, make sure it's kept watered uh, constantly. I mean, my, when I have them in the house, I water twice a day. Right. And, you, and I know it's soaking up water. Um, and you can tell by looking at it. You got some, now you've got these automatic waters that keep it wet. Make yeah. sure, again, make, check your uh, lights, frayed wires, before putting them on there. Make sure you turn them off at night. If the needles are dropping, you wake up in the morning and needles are starting to drop on the floor and nobody's touched a tree, get rid of it. It's already too dry. I would have never thought about yeah. that because yeah, if you yeah. see a lot of needles dropping on the floor mm-hmm. and you know nobody's been near it, that means that the, the tree is drying out quicker okay. than expected. Take it outside and get rid of it. Most of these fresh trees you get that are bought have been cut down for maybe a couple days or two, and now they're sitting in these fresh tree lots for yeah. days or weeks on end up until Christmas. So again, they're dying little by little. Right. So you want to make sure you keep them with her and, and keep an eye on that. If it's an, an I tell you one thing. I was shocked at how fast a, a real tree goes up in flames. Yes. Again, there's a video. There's a lot of videos on there yeah. now this time of year. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go to the NFPA website, National Fire Protection Association website, there's a lot of stuff on there. There's also things on the Underwriters Laboratories website where uh, it's ul.org that, that you can you see a lot of things, and you can see how quickly these things happen. It, 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 it's amazing. And I have to look back several years ago in February down in Anne County where this huge mansion caught fire because of the Christmas tree. This was a huge house. It was built, I think, in the 90s. No smoke alarms. They, the, the people had a high ceiling. The tree went up from the basement to the ceiling. I mean, it was, it was an open area. It was like an eight-foot tree, nine-foot tree. So you imagine how big it was. Jeez. This was February. The grandchildren were open, over, and the fire marshals, upon months and months of investigation, found it out to a short in the wire on the tree that caused the tree to burn. Number one, the tree had been dry. The, the, the water was dry in the tree, and the tree caught fire, and people were trapped. There was, there was bars on the windows for safety for them, but again... No sprinklers. Four children perished. Again, this is what this and this and then the two adults that were there. The kids were the uh, grandchildren. Oh, jeez. Um, or niece and nephews. Niece and nephews. I'm sorry. They were niece and nephews. And you know they couldn't get out. Oh. So they were overcome by the smoke and flames very quickly. Now this is where the sprinkler coalition really got strong about putting sprinklers in single-family homes. Cher Grog was a spokesman for the Sprinkler Coalition. Now, it was her 
Edward's brother and sister-in-law and the niece and nephews that were, that oh, geez. were killed in that fire. Um, she's very adamant about sprinklers, as you can imagine. Sure. And she's been going around the country doing talks about sprinklers and how they can save lives and how the, her family probably could have been saved. Right. Um, and her and Flash Max have gotten together and Flash Max, he designs different things. And if you look at him, you'll see a lot of things. His latest design is Winkler the Sprinkler. Winkler okay. the Sprinkler, I like that. Okay, it's a sprinkler that talked about. And it's designed with all the initials of the four kids that passed away in that fire. Wow. And the first initials of each of their names. Um, he does a lot of things. He'll come out and talk. He, he brings his own videos. He has his own book out now. He has... A lot of materials out there just for you to look at and it's, and it's mainly getting to kids and he tells me the story of how he originally started this is that he, he being a firefighter for so many years I think it was like 20 25 years at the time you get tired of seeing children burning fires or children not paying attention mm -hmm. how do you get the children so what he decided to do he went to his own children. How can I get to you? How can I get you to learn? What can I, how can I keep your attention? Me standing up there in front of a bunch of people may or may not get your attention. I will to the adults, children, maybe not so much. Right. That's why we have our fire ambassadors in Arthur County, all the young ones. They get out there and they talk, and people who listen to them, they do a very good job. But they said, Dad, how about a superhero? So he went to their drawing board, and I mean literally went to the drawing board. He does his own artwork, and when you look him up, you'll see. He does his own artwork, his own writing, his own book. He did all, he designed his own costume, all his effects, special effects on it, he designed. And he came up with Flash Max, the fire superhero. Hmm. Talks Flash about, yeah. you know, kids, about safety. He has, he developed a, an alarm called Al-Arm. Alarm, it's his shield. It's a, like it's, a, it's a smoke alarm. Kids can push a button, the smoke alarm goes off. He tells the kids, what do you do when you hear that? Get out of the house. Stay out. He talks to kids and then lets kids get involved with it. And, you know, and, and, and a shield, you know, he, he, he looked at different things and different props. And it's amazing. You know, the, the metal was too heavy, especially when he's out there for two, three, four hours. Yeah. He took a plastic trash can, the exact same shape, painted it white, painted the, the what a... <laughs> Alarm looks like, and that's mm -hmm. our arm, our alarm. So See? alarm. So yeah. I mean, he, he did, and you look at it, you got he's got so many things. He's just so good, um, and, I, and I love bringing him out and having him talk to people. And he's, he's local. He's in uh, La Plata. La Plata. Yeah. Got to get him on. He lives out of La Plata. <laughs> um, I'm sure he. I mean, would that's a good come. distance, but still. <laughs> he's 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 getting ready to move up to Delaware. That's not going to be for another building a house in Delaware. Okay. He's in. He's a paid firefighter in Virginia. He's a volunteer in La Plata. He's been around about 30 years. When you go to his website, you'll see what he does. You can contact him. If he doesn't contact you back, contact me because I know how to get in touch with him. He'll right. pick up the phone when I call. <laughs> My, Mike, uh, Michael's a good man. Uh, Michael Furman's his name. And, but like I say, Flash Max, it goes by, and that's how you're going to see it on the website. And uh, a lot of good information, especially for kids. Yeah. I mean, uh, and I talk to kids, and I go to schools, and I ask. And, and this is, here's another problem, too, and this is why we've gotten away got we spread our teaching, we've opened it up a wider. We talk to kids, and what do you, we tell kids, what do you do when your house catches on fire? 50% of the kids are going to say, stop, drop, and roll. Mm -hmm. Because we've drilled it into them for right. so long. 
about what we're drawing into them at that point, but they, they're, they're missing the message. If your clothes catch on fire, on fire. stop, drop, and roll. And I kind of joke with them about that. You're going to roll around in the house with the house on fire, you know. And this is a little bit older because the younger kids don't understand that. Yeah. You get the kids maybe second, third grade. Well, you know, oh wait a minute, you know, they get right. them to think again. Right. Let them put the thinking cap on. No, no, you don't want to roll around. That's only if your clothes catch on fire. Cover your face, roll back and forth, put the fire out. But if your house catches on fire, get your safest way. Use your use your escape plan. Get out of the house and stay out and get it. Make sure everybody's out. And again, I got to emphasize, everybody may not get out from the same place they came in from, mm-hmm. which is usually the front door. People may be going to the back door, maybe going, but make sure you have a safe meeting place right. where everybody knows to meet a rock, a mailbox, a tree, you know, the, the, the corner there, uh, the mark on the pavement, whatever it is, you know, you know, whatever it is, mark a square, put an X on a square on the pavement if you need something. This is where we're going to meet in case of a fire or emergency. We have to get out of the house. That way, everybody's accountable for fire department gets there, we can concentrate on putting the fire out more so than looking for someone who may not have gotten out. We don't, right. we have to do it, but we don't, if we, you can say, yes, everybody's out, that makes our job a lot easier. I think the hardest thing for a lot of people is closing the, their bedroom doors. It is. And it's something you're going to have used to, and you're right. And I had a lady contact me, we have only had a month or so, and she was adamant about not closing the door in her baby's room and leaving it open. We were talking on the internet, so of course you don't know who's who. Right. And I PM'd her private messenger and told her who I was, to get my credentials. I said, if you want more information, contact me. I said, this is not a debatable issue. I said, I understand what you're thinking. I said, but let me talk to you in person. Let me come out and help you make a plan other, you know, something that's a little bit safer for you. I understand what you're thinking. I understand kids' safety is important. But it, again, like if the safety is important and their lives are important. If that door is closed and there's a fire in that hallway, if their door's open, it's going to go right into that baby's room. Whereas if it's not, it's going to stay in the hallway. Whereas, you know, you might be able mm-hmm. to even get into another direction to get the baby or whatever. I mean, you got to think about these things. Right. But you got to plan it out. It, I mean, it, it, and it's tough nowadays to get people yeah. to close their doors, even adults. You know, they're afraid you're going to miss something, not going to hear something, or, you know, not going to hear the smoke alarm. We've done some testing in a house on fire where we went out and went into a building and a fire started and we were in a closed bedroom and you could hear the smoke alarm through the door. And you'll see some of those on the Internet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the Underwriters Laboratory has a very good one where they have a house, again, showing the difference between a closed door and an open door. And they have microphones in a way that you can hear or not, the smoke alarm going off in the hallway with the door closed. You can't hear them. They have to be right. a certain decibel to hear them. Now, unless you've got your radio blasting super loud, um, you're, you're going to hear it. And if you, even if you're sound asleep, it should wake you up. But look at the information. Again, you have to decide for yourself whether you want one in the bedroom or not. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's recommended, but it's not mandatory. What we really want, at least one smoke alarm on every floor with a 10-year battery. At least. No. Perhaps hmm. I'm going to be going out and outside each sleeping area. If, I mean, some people have the finished basement; they have sleeping areas in the basement. There should be one in the basement anyway, but Pavlov right. Younger also—that's another one that should be in there. I've been to several homes where they've converted the basement into bedrooms or whatever. That's great, but put smoke alarms down there and make sure people have a way to get out. Yeah, we have one—one one at the base of the stairs going up, and mm-hmm. then one at the top of the stairs, and then the 
bedrooms are. Well, that's the important. Right, that's other. the best place yeah. outside the bedroom. Where everybody in the bedroom, even the door closed, will be able to hear that alarm yeah, go yeah. off. Yeah, it's definitely loud. So the last, the last question I had, or uh, topic I had, was the use of stoves, ovens, and even barbecues. I know there was recently a fire started by one as a alternative heating source Ooh. in the winter. Uh, that's definitely a no-no. Yeah, <laughs> I, I will say it flat out: do not do it. Give you another example. We were installing smoke alarms in a trailer park here in Harford County. It was a chilly day, it wasn't a cold day. But we went in, it was, it was raining, and we were installing smoke alarms, and we went in this one trailer. My glasses fogged up instantly. They had the gas stove on, all four burners going with nothing on it, oh, hitting geez. the trailer. And my first thing then was turn that off. That is very unsafe. No smoke alarms in there to begin with. Right. You don't want to use your stove, a gas, a grill of any kind as an alternative heating source. It gives off other chemicals that can kill you very quickly. You do not want to use that. And with that saying, you talk about other heating sources, if you have a generator, if you're using mm -hmm. it on your deck, make sure the generator exhaust is facing away from the house. It's a very simple thing, and you think it sounds like a no-brainer, but you go to some houses and you see where maybe the power has been out for a couple of days and they got a generator going to the, keep maybe the refrigerator and there's some important things, going, which is fine, but the exhaust is by the, the doors open, a crack so the yeah. wire can get in. But the exhaust is coming this way. Have the exhaust going outside. Make sure it's far enough away from the house, you know, where the, where the exhaust is going away from the house. Close that door if at all possible on that coordinate so that enough so that you're keeping that. Now, even if you have to plug a blanket in between the door where the cord is, you know, where it doesn't mm -hmm. close, right. to keep the exhaust out there. Talk about the grills here a minute, because I know there are people still grilling in the wintertime, too. Yep, I'm um, on. <laughs> yeah. How often do you get calls because people were grilling on their deck, a wooden deck, and it ends up catching on fire? I, I can't remember how many calls we get as far as that, because if it's not a an active fire they're not going to call us right or if they do i don't know about it okay okay i will say that much um as long as your grill is safe it's good condition you should get those mats that you can put underneath of it where if anything drips keep from burning but you know again at least 10 feet from the house uh and most decks are like 12 to 15 feet mine's like 17 so it's, it's like right on the edge but still it's far enough away from the house right. don't leave it unattended you know, if you're going to grill outside, that's fine, but don't leave it unattended. Make sure the grill is turned off if you do leave. Make sure the pilot goes out and turn off the gas. Oh, you mean on the outside ovens? On the, on the grills, yeah, the gas grill. Yeah, that's an outside oven. That's not a grill. <laughs> <laughs> you're talking about the charcoal grills, like the Weber's stuff. Yeah, I'm just, yeah, if, I'm just if, messing <laughs> with you, Ron. I don't yeah, like them gas well, things. People still, I mean, no, it is a good thing because there are people that are still using charcoal. Yeah. And, grill, and again... Definitely make sure there's a pad or something in there because the ashes do come down. And I know you got that tray underneath there, but that tray can overflow or a wind can blow an ash yeah. down right. onto your wooden deck. Again, make sure don't leave it unattended and make sure it's completely out before you go in. And I mean completely out, which means soaking it with water. And I wouldn't suggest taking a hose. I would more like a sprinkler, like, like you're sporting flowers, so that the water trickles down to the lower coals. Right. You know, start a little, the ash a little bit, make sure it's out. Because if you don't, you're looking for trouble. I mean, it's a very good possibility those ashes could 
start back up again, blow out of the holes, and you're going to have a fire. Right. Be very, very careful. Especially in wintertime because you got winds coming from everywhere. Oh, yeah. Snow's blowing, the wind's blowing. Well, there's the other, and the other thing, especially now, fall yeah. and winter, a lot yeah. of people like to use the fire pits outside, too. Yes, I do, and I use my fireplace. And if, let's talk about fireplaces. You just talk about fire pits. Number one, make sure your flue is open before you start a fire. We've already clean. had one this year where it wasn't. <laughs> Fill the house with smoke. Thank goodness it was just smoke. Um, but also have your ch chimney checked at least once a year. Mm -hmm. Have a professional go up there and double check it. I mean, you can check it yourself. You want before you put a fire in there during the daytime, open the flue, put your head in, and look up. If you can't see daylight, don't light a fire. It's clogged. Right. Get somebody, a professional, to come out, clean it, check it, do whatever has to be done. Uh, I don't suggest doing it yourself uh, because there's too many things can happen to accidents. Right. You don't want to be, don't be, if you don't know how to be on a roof, you don't want to be on a roof. No. Uh, being up there and, and checking, cleaning it. Um, these creosote logs, uh, do we work to an extent, but they don't work. They're not going to clean it. No, <laughs> especially if you haven't cleaned it for years, yeah. haven't pro professionally checked, and there's professionals all around. You know, there's coupons in the mail all the time. Professional chimney sweeps will come out, take a look at it for you for a minimum amount of price. Again, I'm not talking price. I'm talking about price you put on the safety right. of you and your family, on right. your life, and your household. You know, just be safe out there. Make sure you're using the proper wood. Don't yes. use unseasoned wood and don't use two Pressure. by fours or treated wood. Like when I say treated, like housing wood that yeah. is not to be used in your fireplace. Yeah, and the same goes for pine. Yes. Don't use pine. Don't use pine, pine either. Yeah. yeah. Another thing a lot of people don't think about either, especially if you have a fireplace, make sure it's got a chimney cap on there. Yes. Because if it's open, it. you know, birds, squirrels, raccoons, whatever. I'll tell you when I bought my house. And including I had a v, there was a VA inspector, and the house hadn't been lived in most of the summer. She said she never used her fireplace. The inspector went up there. There was a wasp nest in, that was actually blocking. It covered the whole fireplace because we what we saw some dead bees on the bottom in the fireplace. I thought, well, yeah. maybe so they got caught it. Some fell down. When he went up and checked it, no, there was a wasp nest that they had to get rid of. So that took a. A bit of doing, you know. Yeah. Good thing you did light a fire. <laughs> but, well, if I lit a fire, they'd, they'd have been pretty hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but you check it. You never know what what has built in this. Now, yeah. I have a cap on it, and there's a cap and a screen on it, so those bees manage to get in there and build their nests. So it's a wasp, I should say. So you want to be careful with that. Again, yeah. safety, air on the side of safety, and the side of caution. Be safe. Uh, make sure your chimneys are clean. And make sure you're burning the proper wood. And like you mentioned, uh, about the uh, don't burning pine. People say, well, pine is soft wood, but pine has sap in it. That's mm -hmm. all going to go up to me, and that is going to clog it quicker than anything else, as well as put bring chemicals into your house with the heat. Yeah. And you got to remember too that even though the fireplace is nice and it does warm up the house, most of that heat's going out the chimney. Right. I mean, they're fun or stuff, and I like it too. And, and again, in emergency, they're great, and I like sitting there watching a football game or something. You know, with a nice fire going, have some yeah. popcorn and a glass of soda or a hot chocolate. And, you know, but, you know, be careful. That, that's all I say. Just be careful. Make sure there's a screen around it. Those of you that have the uh, pallet stoves or wood-burning stoves, also have them checked by a professional. Make sure they're vented properly and make sure you're using the right materials inside. You know, the pellets um, or whatever you're supposed to be using. And again, make sure the flue's clean. 
make sure it's inspected outside and make sure it's, it's checked for any you know loose uh, things. Yeah, have a professional come out and check it. One more thing, speaking of venting outside, dryers. Uh, oh, yeah. <coughs> dryer fires. <laughs> they become more prevalent this time of year, I guess, because people don't go outside to check their vents. Check your vent. Check the vent behind the dryer. Clean it out. Have it cleaned out. Replace them if necessary. If you find your dryer, a lot of these newer ones, like my own, they're newer. If it gets, if it starts overheating because it's not venting properly, it'll shut down automatically, which ah. is a good thing so it doesn't catch fire. Sure. Your older dryers do not do that. They just keep on the vent mill. Or maybe if you're drying clothes and you have an older dryer and it's not drying the clothes, more than likely your vent's clogged. It may not be the heating element, or maybe the heating element is burned out because your vent's clogged. Check the vent, get that soot out of there. Vent dryer fires are probably a number three cause of fires in households when you don't realize it. So you know, vacuum them out, either you know, get a professional to do it, or if you can do it yourself, take the take it off and replace it. But most of them are very easily right. replaceable. And with that, it doesn't matter if it's gas or electric. It's actually no, the, it lint, has to be vent the lint that's your clothes. Fire. I mean, I know you check the vent when you change, yeah. you change the dryer, you change the little vent inside. If you see what's in there, imagine what's going out through that tube and it's getting clogged in there. Mm -hmm. right. I mean, my inside went there. Every time I dry socks, I think I've got an extra pair of socks that disintegrated because there's so much lint in there. You don't realize it. Make sure they're clean and make sure that little groove underneath that lint carrier is also vacuumed out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You don't realize it, but that also collects lint. Right. Because when a that spring gets clogged, it goes around it. Yes. And, and exactly. Push through it. Yeah. So now we always now we know where that extra sock went to. It always uh, yeah. ended up in the lint trap. <laughs> yeah, the one when you keep losing socks. <laughs> yeah. Never figure that out. <laughs> yeah, just just in closing though, you know, make sure your smoke alarm is working. Uh, make sure you test them at least once a month. Fire sprinklers will save lives. I mean, you can have them put in your home retrofitted. Cost is minimal compared to what it costs for a light. Mm -hmm. uh, home fire sprinklers can contain uh, an extinguisher fire in less time. It will take the fire department to even get there. Now remember, we said earlier, the pressure coming out of that sprinkler system is the same as coming out of your garden hose. We come in and we're putting 125 gallons a minute in that house. Think about that. Installing smoke alarms, sprinklers can reduce the risk of home fire deaths by 82%. And only in a sprinkler close to the fire will activate. I talked about this before. You want to make sure it's only it's not the whole system is not going to operate if there's not a fire in the whole house. Uh, to when you're building one, uh, it adds the cost one to one and a half percent is the cost adds to the cost of the house. Uh, numbers and contact information for you or the service where people. Uh, can go if they have questions, website, etc. Uh, if you have questions, uh, my uh, fire smoke alarm phone is 443-910-4160 or my email is at 12035 at hcvfa.org. It's H and Henry, C is in Charles, V is in Victor, F is in Frank, A is in Adam, Org. That's my Hartford County email. I will get your message. I will respond. I want to thank Ron Solid for all the great information he gave us. And I just want to emphasize again, please make sure that you follow the steps that Ron said and you know, that you have work and smoke and CO alarms in your house. Of course, you know, the smoke alarms should be on every level of the home. Uh, and outside the sleeping area. And, of course, your CO alarms, the carbon monoxide alarms, um, make sure you have them as well. And fire extinguishers if you can. And
then go ahead and start doing fire safety drills. Granted, I know sometimes your wife, your children, whatever, your husband, they may get upset, but you can't put a price on life. I want to thank everybody that's helped support the podcast since I started this back in 2015. And right now you can help even more by going to buymeacoffee.com forward slash harco living. That's har, H-A-R, co, C-O, then living. Short for Harford County Living, of course. What I'll do at the end of each episode, I will read the names of the monthly supporters. It could be as low as a dollar, three dollars, you know, whichever you prefer. And as of now, I want to thank our first monthly supporter, Recreating Wellness. Thank you, Anne-Marie.